Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Before we get to today's interview, a quick thanks to those of you that stopped by Monolithic Brewing on Wednesday, July the 12th as race day was officially released. I had so much fun brewing my first beer ever, and I hope that you enjoyed drinking it. It's still available at the brewery, so if you're in or near the Omaha area, please be sure to stop by and give it a try. And if you do, let me know about it. Today's interview is with Chris Gutierrez. I found Chris via Reddit as he wrote about his experience of the 2023 Boston Marathon and his quest to be the first to the Tracksmith Trackhouse. We spoke about that, why the running community matters to him so much, and why the end of 2023 will include chasing after a big goal. Enjoy today's interview with Chris Gutierrez. Chris Gutierrez, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Hey, thanks for having me. I uh, I begin the podcast by asking my guest how their most recent run went. How was the How was the run? The last time you got out there? <laughs> uh, I don't. I can't say that I got out there. I ended up doing a uh, treadmill run. Um, the AQI here was like one ninety, so um, hit the treadmill. And as I put on my Strava. Um, I got an hour to my thoughts and my thoughts had hands. <laughs> with, with, you know, I've never asked anybody this. You are the guest for the sixth episode. Um, do you, do you listen to stuff when you run? Or are you someone who likes to kind of get in your thoughts? Because I, I have found myself as I have gotten into running more and more the last few years, I found myself feeling like a bit of an outlier. Cause I usually listen to podcasts or books. What, what are you doing when you're going for a run? Dude, you are not an outlier. I listen to music. I listen to podcasts. I did half and half today. Uh, listen to one of my buddies' podcasts, half of it, and the other half I just put some music on. Um, I think it's like half like I'm like listening to music, but at the same time, like I don't really think about the lyrics. So, like the other half is me thinking about my form or like how I'm feeling. So, kind of both. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I, I originally wanted to have you on to talk. Uh, I mean, about a lot of a lot of different things, but I stumbled upon your recap of the 2023 Boston Marathon on uh, Reddit earlier this year, back in April. And so I guess to begin the conversation, when did you or why did you originally start writing about running? Was it a place for you to to kind of just get your thoughts out into the world that, that maybe you felt like had been a little bottled up? Was it something that maybe you talked about it with friends of yours and they're like, hey, you should write about this? Why, why originally delve into writing about running? Uh, funny enough, I've been, I think I've been writing about running since high school. So blog spot days in like 2009, 2010. And then I moved over to like uh, Tumblr for a little bit. So I talked about running a lot in there in those times. And like, it kind of went on from there. I've always been one that like, I like, I like the journal slash blogs. So like I've been doing it probably for heck, it's like at this point over 13 years. So <laughs> do you find running harder or writing harder? Uh, writing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, running at this point just feels like, I, I always say it's kind of just like people going to the gym, you're going for an hour, hour and a half, like the same thing. It's not, not too hard any on me anymore. Yeah. And so when I was, I was just kind of diving into some research, I, I stumbled upon something that you wrote back in 2018 about being a minority who's also into craft beer. And I, I found it on your LinkedIn page. I thought it was a really interesting <laughs> read. We're both enjoying, I, I would imagine a couple of craft beers, right now, you, you, one of the things you said was this is one of the few communities that is welcoming. You said that about the craft beer scene. Has running and the running community, have you felt like a kinship to to that? Like how you feel about the beer scene or I guess how you felt about the beer scene back in 2018? 
Yeah, there's a lot of parallels between both. Um, as a lower income, like I came from a low income area and first generation, running was my first community that I found. Um, and then beer was my second community that I found later on. And so for a little bit, I mean, the whole Beers and Miles account became a thing because it was a beer account and I was tired of posting beer on my regular account. So and it's funny how that's completely come full circle. But yeah, it, 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 there's a lot of parallels between both. I think running was my first love and it continues to be my first love there. Um, but there is just in general, like it's been the most open community. And um, yeah, it, it is a whole thing where like as you go on and I've been in this this scene since 2006, like it is very much like for the most part, much about character as opposed to like, even at this point, if you've been around long enough, like people that stick around and people that like people want to hang out with are more about the character as opposed to how fast they run. Why do you think that is? Why do you, why do you think that there are those similarities between the two? I think because it's like, it's, it's a common man's a common man's common woman's thing. Like beer is a common man slash woman's drink as opposed and running is just an exercise. Sure. <laughs> like in all reality, like it doesn't really matter how fast I run. It doesn't matter how fast anybody else runs. Like it's an exercise. And like, I don't know. I, I think thankfully, like I've been, I've I grew up in an area where like Southern section, California is like one of the toughest sections for running. So like you get taught pretty early on that you're not the best at it, but also it's a really welcoming community, really competitive community. So like you never really get an ego because you're kind of forced to realize that like, we're all not that great at this. And so like, it's, it's, it's funny that way. It's like everywhere I've gone, I've never been the best at anything. Um, and so it's always kind of kept that way. So it's like, it's a welcoming community. Um, it welcomed me as a kid that didn't, wasn't good at anything else. So <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's, it's the, uh, the commonality, no matter who you are, no matter how fast you are, no matter how new you are, it's like, we're all out there. That's awesome. Uh, let's go back to the beginning then. When did you start running and, and why, why did you start running? I, I, I've loved asking this question over the last you know month because sometimes it's like the fitness test goes well and you kind of find something. Other times it's, you know, I talked to somebody last week or a couple weeks ago, he, he had concussions in football. He had to move into running. What was it? What was it for you? Um, it was the mile in middle school. Um, I don't know what it was that just like attached me to it, but like I wanted to break <laughs> I think I wanted to, I think seventh grade, I wanted to run under seven minutes or like seven thirty or seven ten. I ran seven ten. Um, my first experience with running wasn't as great as like you would think. Like I got on the track team and then I got to the meet. We only had one meet in middle school and I got benched for somebody faster. <laughs> so the next year I ended up uh my goal was to break seven minutes in the mile because for our middle school, if you broke seven minutes, you got a shirt. For P that said on the back six minute mile club and I still have it. Awesome. Um, I wore it for my <laughs> I wore it for my first day of like grad school practice and I, I did our uh, our our time trial with a six minute mile club shirt. But like that was what got me into it. And then my best friend at the time, uh, Katie, had reached out had told me during that summer uh, before uh, freshman year and it's like, hey, you really like you, you all you, you talk about is the mile during like uh, during uh, honors algebra. Like you always talk about this. It's like, you should join the cross-country team. I'm coming up with a cross-country team. So I joined the cross-country team my freshman year. Um, I remember I first practice. I got there. I was four foot ten and 70 pounds. Um, uh, I am now, I think, five foot 11 uh, and 
whatever like that I am now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got there and everybody thought that I was somebody's little brother. Uh, I sat around, talked to Katie for a little bit, and out of nowhere, a soccer ball, rogue soccer ball, smashed me in the head. <laughs> so that was my first uh, experience into running. I ran about a mile and a half with the varsity kids, and then they went out for a longer run. I ended up walking the second half, ended up limping the entire way up my, my driveway. My mom thought I was crazy. Uh, and she's like, Michal, you're, it's like, why are you doing this? I was like, I don't know, but I think I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> Did you like it? Were you having fun? And I, I think the challenge of it made it fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I, I think it was just friends. It was new people. Um, and it was just something that was exciting to me. And uh, as I went on, like, I don't know if I developed the love of racing right away, but it was something that, like, as a freshman, thankfully, like, a lot of the older people, older kids on the team, that's like, they kind of saw steam in me. And, like, I was in varsity my freshman year. I was, I think, a 20-minute, 20 uh, 20-minute three-miler. And then they were, like, I was, like, the last one out to being varsity, but there was also a big gap from there. And... It kind of just kept me going. So did, did was there like a moment, I guess, where you realize that you are some level of good at that at that level where you're like, okay, this is something that I should maybe put more time and effort into that I'm, I'm whether it's, you know, competing at a high level. Did, did you have a moment like that in high school? If, to be honest, I, I don't think I've ever really thought until recently, maybe even like maybe the last like during college where I thought I was like, okay, I'm actually be good at this um it was more like the time was a thing that i was like attracted to so i went from like 2007 as a freshman to 1742 as a sophomore which like in southern section california like you have to be running like 15 low sub 15 to be able to make it out of your section to go to state or to go like just get out of your section so like there wasn't really any kind of situation where i was like I'm good at this. It was more like that time was attractive. And then the next year I keep getting better around 1650. And then the year after it was kind of a combination that I fell in love with the culture of running. And I got into all the message boards back in 2008, 2009 and got into die stat, started really following the sport. And I was like, I love this. And it was not a situation where it was like, I'm good at this. I, I was like, I've always thought I was pretty average at it. And I was like, I just kind of wanted to get faster. This is fun seeing how fast I can go. Uh, and I think it's still the same thing. And then I got to 1603 or 1603 at uh, Mount Sac by my senior year. And then that was like, I got talked to by college and I ended up going there. And so like, it never was a thing where I was like, I'm really good at this until like, I found a distance that I was actually really good at. So it's funny you say that, Chris, because and, and I, I say this every every podcast in the intro that this is a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves and what keeps them curious. And I realized that I've never actually asked any of my guests until right now about the curious part. You I think you might have just crystallized better than anyone I've, I've talked to, or at least maybe I'm finally realizing I should ask about this. You were really kind of curious about what you could do and and what you could be as a runner. And it was less, am I good or not? It's just more, can I find that kind of limit, I guess? Yeah, it's funny. There's a mantra that has followed me basically through the entirety of my running career. And it, it'll come up some, some for some reason, just to come up in a random run. And I'll just be like a self-talk, like, how fast can you go? And it's like, it's I don't know where it comes from. It just started just being a thing that it was like, how fast can you go? How fast can you go? Um, and 
and it's been a thing like I've been hurt for most of my running career. Like when I got to college, I got hurt for most of it. So I was like, if I stay healthy, what happens? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think that's been a, a lot of it. Like, I think the one thing I've been really grateful about is like, while I've been hurt for a lot of it, it's led to, I have a lot of life colleagues, even at 30. So did, did that, those injuries, was that something that really followed you throughout your high school career? Not so much high school. Um, I think in that sense point, I was kind of held back by like, we didn't really have any consistency in high school. Um, our high school coach got fired after her first freshman year as far as track goes. So we never really had a consistent track coach and she'd only be there for cross country. And it'd just be kind of like, there wasn't any kind of consistency for the entire thing. Um, and then also like, dudes, we weren't really educated about training. Um, and I think it took until I did it on my own to try to figure things out. Um, and I think that's what it was. It was like low mileage high school that really didn't teach me much about running. And then from there, it was just like, all right, just try to figure it out from there. What I, what I find interesting about that is like, I think back to my, my high school running days and, and I, I was telling somebody recently on the podcast, like I, I peaked with all my times as a sophomore I ran a sub five mile you know, my best 5k was as a sophomore, I'm doing all of these things, but I never really liked the process of it. And that, that was like nothing so much against my coach. It was just, I think it was me at the time that I was so hyper-focused on just like the end of like, I just want to get to a race. So then I don't have to run the race anymore. I just want to, you know, get to the end of the season. So I don't have to run anymore. It seems like from listening to you, like that you really did enjoy the process of it, even, even which is pretty cool, given that you just mentioned a coach got fired. Like, I, I feel like a lot of kids at that age would say, "Like, all right, sweet, now I don't have to do this anymore." Yeah, I, I think a lot of it just came down to like it was the first thing that I kind of found an identity with, and I really struggled with that as being like just for like a better term, a small kid and that just like had no role. Um, that it didn't have any kind of like a thing to cling on to. Um, I was like really insecure growing up and like having that was my first kind of sense of like, Hey, like I have an identity to this something and like gave me a lot of confidence. Cause as I got better in running, I was like, people knew me as a runner. Uh, and even at my high school, it was like, I was top 10 in the league and I would like, I was, I was fairly decent within my league. And so like, I got kind of attention for that. And even colleges, like a couple colleges talked to me about my senior year. Um, and so like, it, it definitely was a thing for me. It was like, all right, well, this is, this is something that kind of gives me some kind of validity. Um, but then it also became a thing that I needed to figure out a kind of against it. <laughs> um, Whereas like in college, like I realized that like running can't be the validity that I seek. I need to find something outside of running. So I guess, how did you do that then? How did you do that moving from, from high school to college? Um, I th- it, it, it led, it was injury. Mm. That was what I realized, like, because the, the unfortunate thing is by the time I got out of high school, I had been taught some very negative kind of like some negative habits and a lot of people on my team would do things called like rage runs where like they'd be very upset and they'd go out at night and just run as hard as they can and just basically try to hurt like basically find a way to kind of hurt themselves and like as as a way to like utilizing running as a way to like like self-harm and it 
was a constant thing when I got to college where I get hurt and then I get really depressed. They get better, rush into things, get hurt, get depressed, and do the whole thing. Um, it took until my junior year to realize that like this circle wasn't a, it's just not sustainable. <laughs> and I had to realize a moment that I need to find myself outside of running if I actually want to have a good relationship with this. And weird thing to say is like the best thing that could happen to me was getting injured and making that realization. Um, it made me a happier person in general. Like my friends like to pick on me a lot. Like my old teammates like to pick on me a lot when I was in college because like was, I was very quick to like, you, you bug me and I like, I set off and it's entertaining. And like, like a defense mechanism that, almost. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was loud. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, uh, and I'd lash out, um, like as like kids do, um, if you're still in your little kid body. <laughs> um, but the, uh, yeah, after I came out for that season and I found out, I was like, okay, who am I, am I outside of running? And after that, I would just like, all right, we're, it was a complete 180. Um, it also like, I mean, college did change me a lot. I mean, even my freshman year, I like, that was a big moment where I found a better relationship with running. And then like, it was kind of a whole thing where like, my freshman year, I got hit by a drunk driver during track season. Um, oh my gosh! And yeah, uh, I raced the next day. Oh my <laughs> so gosh! Really <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so I was like driving, and the car drove on the wrong side of the road, hit me. Uh, I ended up having to take the rest of the season off. Obviously, um, I thought I was okay, and like ended up being worse than that. But like, a lot of those combination of things kind of put things in perspective. Like freshman year, put things in perspective about just life in general junior putting things in perspective about hey you're like there you need an identity outside of running um because we don't know if running's gonna be a thing after this so i i guess i mean this is maybe an obvious question but it just seems like that you had an unhealthy relationship with running and because mm-hmm. of those those factors whether you know <laughs> injuries getting hit like it just seems like that completely changed the relationship that you had with it for the better. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it was, um, I, I think a lot of it was just kind of realizing that like the opportunity to run in itself is somewhat of a blessing. Um, and then as it went on, I kind of found different ways to be able to be thankful for it. Um, when I took my, after like what I called my sabbatical of running, realizing that like, Hey, I'm still doing this. Um, where most of my contemporaries in college and high school aren't. And a lot of them have had really negative relationships with running. And it's sad to see that. Um, but knowing that I still have a pretty good relationship with running and realizing that I made that promise with myself that like, if I'm going to redo this and try to go full in again, <laughs> Um, I'm going to do it on my own terms and make sure that's a good relationship. Um, that matters a lot. And yeah, that's like the relationship with this, knowing that how much it's given to me um, is really important. Um, it's really important in the training partners that I choose in the people I interact with um, in the content that I see. Um, that's all really important um, because like at the end of the day, like, I can't, I could say it'd be a cop out to say that I'm not obsessed with running because I'm still as obsessed with running as I was when I was in high school and college, probably even more so now. Yeah. 
so I have to be very aware of the content that I take in. So what, uh, first of all, I guess I didn't ask, where did, where did you go to college? Uh, went to University of Laverne for undergrad. Uh, it's out in California, just outside of LA, or I guess the most outer reach of like LA County. Then I went to grad school at Tiffany University, uh, D2 school in Northwest Ohio. And so you were running, you were running for the schools, right? Mm-hmm. Ran for both. So how did, I guess, what was, what was your college career like then as a runner? Obviously not knowing that you mm-hmm. went through some of these factors. <laughs> yeah. So my, uh, at Laverne, I went, by, by the time I had left, I had two school records. I had one, the steeplechase, or actually three. I had a, um, 5k record that I got my sophomore year. Um, our, we were very weak in all of our records. I ran 1530, um, it's since then been bring, brought down to 1430, which I'm super pumped about. That's and awesome. I'm hopefully off the top 10 list by next year. Um, around 920 or 931 in the steeple at Laverne, uh, my first season doing that, I'm as a junior. And I had a DMR record, which was like the weakest record of all of the books. We did it once a year and we just did it. Um, two-time all-region, uh, two-time all-conference uh, in cross-country. I was two spots away from making nationals. Um, 12th place usually makes nationals. Um, the next year, 25th made nationals. Uh, so I think myself and I maybe I think it was Javier was the guy ahead of me. We're probably the lowest placing people to not make it to the national meet in cross country. It just was a bad luck year. We had seven individuals in the top 12. I don't know, nine individuals in the top 12 somehow. I don't know how that happened. What? We had a weak year the year before. Uh, the year before I got, I fractured my middle toe uh, as a junior. Uh, our team made it to nationals. Um, so I missed out on making nationals, my oh. biggest goal that I had in college. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about that, though, is AJ, one of the guys that like, we, we clung, like me, AJ, Alex, Sean, and Matt, we all clung together as like, as a freshman and sophomores. And we're like, we're going to make the national meet. Um, I was the only one that wasn't on that team because I got injured. And AJ came back. He had made it as a freshman and he came back with the medal um, for the qualifying. He's like, hey, you deserve this as much as we do. I got one. You were part of this team. I still have it. And it's like, it means a lot. Um, at Tiffin, uh, got hurt my first first year. I think I rushed into things. I was very cocky and I was like, I, 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 I should be here. And I overdid it, uh, ran too hard. I was an idiot my first year. Next year, I think I was... I ended up being fourth or fifth on the all-time list, around 924 in the steeple. Um, didn't really do much at Tiffin. Um, I think my my biggest thing that I could probably get back is that I was a big, really good teammate. Um, and I, um, yeah, the when James Gandhi, who ended up being a multi-time national champion, got in, that was the guy that I clung to and, and tried to, try to help out as much as I could. Um, and I just try to be a good teammate and thankfully I was there for a good time period where like we won two national titles in indoor track, which was the craziest thing ever. Didn't, I, I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't a scorer. I scored at the GLIAC meet, which is great. I moved up to D2 and that was awesome. Uh, but it was a really cool experience to be able to part of that. So what, what was it like as your college career is coming to an end and, and you start thinking about, I guess, like what's next with running and, and what you're wanting to do. I, I had Dylan Geringer on a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's the best. Yeah, he's all, We had a great conversation and we talked a lot at various points throughout that about like the post race blues. 
Um, you know, I'm wearing my, you pointed out before we got rolling, I'm wearing my, my tracksmith hat from Chicago last year. And, and I went after a sub three, I was able to get a sub three, I was able to get a BQ and I really, really felt those blues as I'm trying to like appreciate what I did, but also just the sadness of course, of all of that work and all of that time. And then it's, it's over in two hours, 59 minutes and 47 seconds. And then, you know, trying to figure out what's next. Like, what was that like for you? Cause again, like, I guess a lot of people might get to that point and say, awesome. I've reached this spot in my career. I don't have to run anymore. Technically it's time to move forward. Was that even a thought that crossed your mind at that point? Well, first of all, congrats, by the way, that's awesome. Um, like, um, seeing somebody that went from running in high school and then coming back to it and running, running sub three, that's, that's a big accomplishment. And, uh, congrats, man. Um, um, I even remember my last race. My last race was a steeple. Um, it was at Hillsdale College. Um, and I had a thought in the back of my head that there's two options. I could run 916 and get an academic All-American for D2. Or what I thought was going to be the qualifying time was 907 in the steeple. And I said, I don't want, I don't give a shit about an academic All-American. Like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> like, that's nothing to me. Um, let's go for it. Um, I remember the race, the two Oakland guys that were going sub nine, sub nine, it rained at about an hour and a half delay. Uh, so I got on the track, wet track, and I got, I think I went through in like 302, 303 for the first K. And then the wheels came off mm. and it had to be kind of the most peaceful last half of the race. Because, like, I knew that my college career was over. And, like, I was like, I'm not, like, I'm just, I'm not in it. Like, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to be able to run 907, 909. Like, my legs don't have, like, they don't, they're not there. And it was, it was peaceful. I, I was, I had to come to terms with, like, my college career is over. But I went after it. And I'm okay with that. And, or is... I think had it been a couple years prior, I think I would have been like just kicking myself for it. No, I was, I was super, I was super thankful because at the end of the day, like I came out of high school, 452, 1026 and a 1603 guy. Like a kid that came out of high school, like a, 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 a freshman that was a 2007 guy. And that kid never would have thought that I would have gotten this far. I living in Ohio because I've, I, the coach was like interested in me as an athlete. That's cool. Like I had like going to college for it, like going this far and being able to travel across the country. Like I went to the armory. I went to uh, Atlanta, I raced in Atlanta. I raced in California again, but I bounced like really that I always wanted to do. I got to knock out everything that I wanted. And even more, I never would have even thought that. So like finishing up, it was, it was peaceful. And like, it was one of the most peaceful races I've ever had. And I'm really happy that at that point, like it kind of already kind of started, kickstarted like a very healthy relationship with running. Um, and then coming out of that, um, I had moved to, moved to Columbus. And then from there, it was kind of just trying to get things. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I thought about, I, I, I tried to join a team locally and then it just didn't happen um, for, for a lot of myriad of reasons. But like, yeah, I ended up like, I, I call it my two year sabbatical. I, I went to run clubs a lot um, 
and uh, just went a bunch of run clubs, would run really, really fast all the time. <laughs> I'd run a sub six mile at every run club, uh, and then I would get hurt immediately. Uh, and that was a whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I had, yeah, coming out of college, I didn't, I, I thought I wanted to hit the roads again, yeah. but then as it came on, I was like, kind of life got in the way and I was like, I need to take care of like what I have here. And at this point you're, I read an interview, you're, you, you swear you're never going to run a marathon. Um, so what changed? What, what, why, why get into that? So funny thing about that. Um, so I had always been kind of turned off by marathoning, um, because for some reason, like every like, if you were in high school or in college, running college, the first thing that somebody will always tell you is, "Well, you ever want to run a marathon?" Um, my uncle, kind of my my godfather, my neighbor, kind of started that off, and it was like a whole thing. We're like, he ran the LA marathon, and he's like, "Oh, you kind of run the you kind of run the marathon," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, I don't really want to do that." And then I got to pub runs, which is even worse. It's like, I had a bunch of people that were like, you know what running is until you run a marathon. I'm like, go fuck yourself. I was coaching people a little bit at that point, And I was like, I've been running for about 10 years. Like, I I probably know about running and history of running or like history of like professional running more than most people do. Like, so like, I don't really want to do this. And like, the more you talk about it, the more I don't want to do it. Just out of spite. Uh, it came down to, um, I had a guy in our run club, Tim, wanted to qualify for Boston in Erie of 2018. And he had talked to me about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of thinking about that. I'm, I'm in. Uh, because it was like 70 bucks. And at that point, I was a manager in training at this company. I just moved to Columbus. I'm not making that much money. 80 bucks is still a lot. $100 is a lot more. And I have student loans. Uh, he messages me. Perfect time. Uh, I am actually, I just got back from this place right now, which is like full circle for this. Like <laughs> I was hanging out at old fields. Old fields is great. Love those people. Love Dan. We're hanging out there and I am drunk. <laughs> I am, I am blood drunk. And I get a message from Tim saying, Hey, tonight's the last night before it goes a hundred dollars. Next memory is the next morning, and I have a headache, and I have a confirmation. Congrats, you've signed up for the Erie Marathon. <laughs> so I was like, all right, shit, I have signed up for a marathon, and I have about two months to get ready for this. Um, I was still in decent shape. Like, I think I ran like a 16, 16 lows in the 5K. I was still like in okay shape. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to run 80 miles a week on singles, and, uh, and then it will, will be out there. Um, your own plan? Did you did or did you like find a book or anything, or you just kind of go off? No, 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 own plan. <laughs> I'm just gonna get to 80 miles a week, and I'm gonna get a 20 miler with 10 miles at marathon pace. Okay, thinking I could run about 2:38 was my my why I thought I could run, and uh, I got hurt about two weeks before. I think the week off. I think I ran only like I don't think I ran that week because I was still hurt. I don't know what ha- I don't know why I was hurt. Um, probably just gonna run too fast. Uh, I think all of my average paces were like six, six thirty, six forty, um, and then I got to Erie. The goal was to get a split, so I brought my iPod Shuffle with me and some headphones, and I said, "The first half, oh, crazy enough, the people that were supposed to travel for Erie didn't end up coming." Um, Tim actually had his child about a month early, and he thankfully, I think, was fine. 
but it was a very scary situation. Uh, the other person got sick that weekend, so I was alone going to Erie when I was supposed to go with other two other people. And uh, I go out there, I run, I go through the, I was like, I, I, fuck, I've been hurt. Um, this is pretty super, I didn't have any super shoes. I think I used some flies. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to get through, I'm going to try to just run 640s, 630s and move my way down. Uh, got down to 620s pretty early, uh, went through the first loop and then closed. I think I had a four minute negative split. I got eighth overall at the 241. And immediately after, um, as soon as I finished, I felt like somebody took like a shotgun to both my legs. Um, I wrote something about that on my blog when I first got back to blogging. I was like, my first marathon was great, but I couldn't recover from it because I didn't have enough mileage in my legs. It took a lot out of me. Um, and funny enough, I actually wasn't going to sign up for Boston. I was going to do that out of spite. I was going to like not because like, I knew I was in the top. I was in the top, uh, the top corral, but I was going to, I was going to say, yeah, I call for Boston first time and fuck you guys. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sign up for Boston, uh, and just be kind of an asshole, uh, because I'm just kind of sick of it. Um, but last day I actually signed up and then I found randomly, uh, what I attribute to me getting into running is not the marathon. It's more happenstance. I had been, um, there's a guy, Alex Wary, um, rest in peace. He passed away in the last, like, last years. Um, I had met him randomly at this festival here in Columbus. He posted on Facebook saying, hey, I need somebody to help me move some stuff. I'll do $20 an hour to help me move my stuff. So I helped him move his stuff. I had nothing to do that day. Um, and he's like, hey, can you help me move my sister's stuff? I'm like, all right, I'll do that. Move over, go up to up north and like campus area. Helping him is like, it's taking too long. Go grab somebody off the street. Um, kidding not, there's a kid walking down the street, eating a bowl of rice. <laughs> they pull him off the street and he starts helping us out. He has his cross country shirt. I ask him, Oh, you run? He's like, yeah, I run for the Ohio state club team. It's like, Oh shoot. I just finished my first marathon kind of trying to run. It's like, Hey, we're trying to start this track club. It's like, Oh really? It's like, all right. We meet up a couple of days later. Both of us hung over later on that we find out and we end up starting. We end up kicking off the Columbus Track Club with them. Uh, no longer with with that group, but that's what kind of kicked it off. And so, at that point in time, that like I guess what you finish this marathon, you BQ. So it's great in that regard. You're kind of like screw this. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sign up for it. Um, given how you felt before it, I'm wondering just what your relationship was like with the idea of a marathon and the idea of running Boston, which is viewed. In a obviously in a very specific way, mm-hmm. um, I didn't view it as that. Um, just because for us it was the NCAA meet, the love trials, USA's. That's kind of my what I like. I guess there's levels to it. Like that's what I thought as like elite level running. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my thing of me running Boston was showing that like it's not a big deal because like my thing was. And I still have that kind of feeling is like the BQers are kind of some of the worst people in running. Uh, not the BQ, not the, not the vast majority of BQers, but those are kind of set few BQers that are very snobby about it. Like the, the folks that, that back in uh, the, the COVID one, you're talking kind of like that idea, the, the, that, that real, and, and for the record, like I really, I was a four hour marathoner at yeah. that point, but I've read, I've in hindsight, I've gone back and I've read a lot about that time. And just the gatekeeping nature of it seems like my dad, he ran it in 2018, the, mm-hmm. the famous, 
you know, yeah, rain, the rain. Yeah. yeah. And he got, he got a bib via a fundraiser. And, yeah. and so like, I remember as I found out later on, like there are people who view my dad as like someone who shouldn't have ran in Boston. I'm like, what's like, screw you, man. Like what's wrong with you? I completely agree. It's, it, there's a lot of gatekeeping and it typically is the people that kind of found running later on. Um, and I think going back to what I said earlier about like, I got humbled pretty early on. Uh, I, I kind of came to that conclusion like recently was like, it's a lot of people that find running late, like late in life and they've not been humbled enough about it. It's running dude. Like, and, and unfortunately there's a lot of people that are very, very gatekeepy about it. Um, my, one of my people that I coach, she ran Boston. She's qualified Boston multiple times. Um, she was in London the week after, and she had a lot of sickness throughout the block. She ran Boston, and she had a great time chugging beer throughout the thing. And somebody said, "This is your run for the Boston." I'm like, go fuck yourself. Like, I got 57th this year. Go, go. Like, like you're taking like you're the worst person. In this like the gatekeeping was the reason why I just didn't want to be a part of it. Um, but as it kind of went on, I think I, I realized like, no, this community is pretty great. Um, there's a lot of like the majority of the community has a lot of great stories behind it. The marathon itself is like, it's a challenge. And like, I think funny enough, what, what kind of kept me going with a lot of these things were like, I came even come back to Boston was like friends call for Boston. Cause I was like, that's great. Like you call it, I had a great time at first Boston. Uh, yeah. So I was like, it, it, it can, it, it changed a lot of my perspective. Um, and I think in a lot of it too, it's like, it took me out of my bubble mm. because like as a collegiate runner, you tend to be in a very small bubble and a very elitist bubble in its own right. Um, and so taking yourself out of that and realizing like, Hey, we're all out there. Like is really, really like healthy. Um, Cause I see even college runners that are very much like, like anyone that doesn't, didn't run, in college is like kind of some like second, second class. It's like, no, it's not. It's like, we're all out there, dude. Chill. Yeah. You know, I, I found over the last couple of years, cause I used to just be a runner that would go out by myself. Um, yeah. and you know, it's, and, and, and like I, I do, I run most, most runs I run by myself. Um, but I, I like almost craved that. And I got into the running community here in Omaha, Nebraska over the last year. And now I'm like, kind of, I like regret a little bit the year like 2020, 2021 and early 2022, because it's like, Hey, I got 18 this weekend going into easy pace. Who wants to join in? And it's like, now I'm, I'm disappointed when I already have a different thing going on. Or if I'm out of town, like that stuff bums me out. Whereas a few years ago, I just wouldn't have responded. And I would have said, Oh, sorry. I, I have to do it at this time. I can't, I can't run with you. Let me ask you about this before we, we kind of move on to, to some of the other things that you have ran. Um, you started a, a run club and I know that Nebraskans uh, will really appreciate, and I guess Midwesterners in general will appreciate the name uh, Ope. What, like, so you, you mentioned a couple minutes ago being in a run club. Why, why did you want to be involved or why did you want to kind of be at the, the forefront of, of something like that? So um, community has always been really important to me and giving back to the community has been really important to me as far as running has gone. I think as my development as a runner has happened, I've always wanted to get back to it. Um, and it kind of all started because I have two main groups uh, of group chats. So I have a group chat with my close friends, Nicole, Keen, and Brent. And I have another group chat with my coach, Zach Ronellis, uh, Dietrich, and uh, Witty. 
Um, and so I had, at that point, I had been independent. I had a falling out with my club that I had before. And I just said, fuck it, I'm going to start my own team. I want to start my own team. And I kind of wanted to start my own team by my own rules. And I wanted to start a team that's based on um, people that just love racing. And it doesn't matter how fast you are either. One team that's going to be all about just a passion of racing and also be able to be a community of people that can help each other out. And so that's how it came to be. Um, the group chat, the, uh, the OP name kind of came about with a chat with the, the boys, the Michigan boys with Dietrich, uh, Witty and, and, uh, and Zach. And then from there, we kind of came up with the logo, but it kind of all came together just as like a, we wanted to make an, I've always wanted to make an inclusive group of people that like racing and then, also have a place where like we can provide guidance to people that want it. And that's kind of how it came to be. Um, and so since then it's been pretty cool to see, I think a lot of it was just kind of been thing was like, I want to be able to like race as part of a team with my best friends and not have to represent a team here. Um, like a localized team, uh, as it's developed, it's changed a lot, um, as things do. Um, so I now I represent, Columbus and other people as well represent their own areas. So it's kind of developed from there. Yeah, it was cool. I was listening to your, uh, your most recent podcast this, this morning and you were talking about CIM and, and how you're like getting an Airbnb for like you and others. And I was thinking like, yeah. cause I've never done that. It's usually me, my fiance, my, sometimes my parents and yeah. like, that's what we do. And I was like, man, to get together with like your best group of running friends, like that sounds like an awesome experience. Like, Hey, let's all go do that. Let's get an Airbnb together. Let's spend a weekend together. Let's, let's carb load. Let's do all those things. And then let's go race together. Like, it just sounds awesome. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, that's, what's made it a lot more fun is I typically travel on my own. Um, I need it. Uh, I, I don't like to be around people that are really type a which is like with marathoning <laughs> but thankfully like this group is that we're trying to come together is like a group that's very much kind of same kind of mindset yeah uh we did project 13.1 earlier this year um and we had a good group with myself josh behoniak who was on the last episode a way who's been on an episode and alex i guess all of them on an episode alex brooks who ran 216 uh like we all hung out for the entire weekend and it was like a good group and it takes your mind out of it because like this, this, this sport's so mental to have like an opportunity to be around people that are like, are like keep you calm is really important. So I want to talk about Boston from this year, uh, real quick before that though, you, you ended up in the ER a week before Chicago in October. Um, what, what happened? And I guess like, how, how did that alter the way that you were approaching that race, which I imagine that you were, you know, putting obviously a lot into it. Yeah, so a week before, I think it was Sunday, I think it was on a Saturday before uh, Chicago, I ended up being in the ER, um, had a panic attack, and I, my arm started going numb. Um, I was new job, and I was I tend to have already have anxiety, and I tend to take on more things than I should. Uh, it's kind of like I just tend to do things, and I ended up in the ER um, on stroke watch um, because like my arm went numb. <laughs> Uh, like I came out of the bathroom at, at a, I got some food and I was like, Oh shit, I just didn't eat enough. And then I got out of the bathroom and like my vision just went blurry. Uh, started getting spotty. My arm went numb and it 
saved them, went to the ER, stayed overnight. Thankfully, it wasn't a stroke watch. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't a stroke. Thankfully, I didn't have any kind of issues with my heart. Um, actually, I've talked to them, my doctor then. I was like, if there's any kind of hesitation that you have for, for Chicago, let me know. Um, I really want to run fast to Chicago. Um, and they had no hesitation. Had they had any hesitation, I would have not run. Um, and I think it's also to a point where it's like, my relationship with running like has gotten to that point where like, I think 10 years ago, I think I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, when it came to Boston uh, or when it came to Chicago, um, coach was very much like, okay, um, we're here. You have great weather day. Take advantage of it. You're here and let's play it out. Uh, I told, I, I, I obviously I talked to him every day. Um, and said, Hey, I'm feeling okay. And, uh, yeah, we just kind of our coaching, like our coach, our coach athlete relationship is very different than other people. I think is very much more collaborative. Um, basically only two, maybe three days of the week. He gives me kind of guidance other than that. I kind of know exactly what I need to run. I coach people as myself. So, um, yeah, uh, I told him my plan. He's like, that's exactly what I was going to tell you. <laughs> and we kind of went after it. Um, and to be honest, I didn't expect to have three potty breaks in the beginning of the race. Uh, and yeah, thankfully like my arm didn't go numb. I wasn't having anxiety. It was kind of just like, all right, I don't feel really that comfortable in this race. And it's for this point, I was like, it's, it's Chicago. It's Let's just have some fun with it. And then as soon as I got into a good rhythm, I got in the rhythm and closed well. Um, went out in 74, came back in 69, ran 223, barely broke 224. And it was, I don't know, it, it, I don't remember much about Chicago. I remember racing. That's all I really remember. But uh, I don't know, it was, I'm just really thankful. <laughs> a week ago, I was in the ER. And, and then you said a PR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like how yeah. do you look back on that now? Month, you know, what, half year later? Um, like, are you like proud? Is it, is it a surprise that you were able to like get through that? Like, what's that like? I, I'm not surprised. I, I mean, I ran a 24, 28 that season, uh, for the AK, we won hood to coast earlier that year. And like, I closed that 24, 28 and sub 15 for the 5k. Like I was fit. Like I was in really good shape. I thought I could run in reality. I thought I could run two twenty one, two twenty two. So like, considering that I had three body breaks, like two twenty three, fifty, like fifty eight. I think it was kind of right in line with what I thought. I didn't think I'd go out in seventy four. Um, to be honest, I didn't think I'd like I'd, I'd feel like shit for a lot of it. But like, what I needed at the last two races, what I needed is realizing that I'm, I'm tougher than I think I am, and that like, I can't be sh- like I can't be shaken that's kind of the biggest thing for me is like I had an entire first half of the race that I didn't feel good like at Chicago I was like all right I thought at about eight to ten I was gonna get rattered 530s and that was a plan and I couldn't and I was like all right we're gonna back off I don't I can't get under 530 this is not working and I was like I felt like I was muscling it and knowing my body I was like if I'm gonna muscle it that's not a good idea and as soon as I got out of the last party potty, I started going 520 and going under 520. I started finding 15s. And I was like, okay, we're going to wait till 20 to go under 15, or 520s. And then I closed my last mile on like 450. 
Like it, it that was what I hated. Like I'm, it, it's a, it's a reminder that, and it's a reminder that I tell my, my athletes, I'm like, you just because you don't feel good right away, doesn't mean the race is lost. Like the race is lost because you're shaken. And I know that I can't be shaken at this point. And Boston taught me even more than that, even more than that. Because Boston was even more of a shit show for me. Yeah, and let's let's talk about that. I, I reread your post this morning on the advanced running subreddit that you did, you know, later that month. Uh, and, and I was reminded of something that really blew me away back in April when you wrote, I fl- I f- this is before the race, you read, I fly out to Portland, Maine Wednesday afternoon to spend a couple days to myself, as has been tradition for the last couple of years. I get my fill of incredible beer, seafood, some final miles, and of course, a nice lobster dinner to cap off the last night. So uh, when I ran Chicago last year, I, I, after Labor Day, I didn't do any, I didn't drink anything, and I really tried yeah. to dial on my diet. Uh, when I ran Lincoln earlier this year, it was two. It was essentially two months. It was like the first week in March Madness. Yeah. After that, I didn't do anything. So I reread that again this morning, and my stomach almost like hurt just thinking about <laughs> loading like that, and then obviously um, running the marathon a few days later. Your your ability to do, like I think that that might be the most impressive thing that has been mentioned <laughs> on the podcast so far. It, it's 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 a thing that I when I started running again, I thought to my I I, I made a promise to myself that I'm going to do this on my own terms. Yeah. And that I'm not going to... And that fits? Like, and, and it is a thing where, like, I'm not going to get... Like, the past years at Boston, I've gotten blood drunk in, in Portland. This time, uh, maybe Thursday, I did. I got a, I got a lot of drink a little bit more than I should have. Uh, but it wasn't as bad as I had done in past years. Yeah. Um, I'm running, took priority. I did my runs every day. Um, and the Saturday, I made sure that I got the best sleep. Sunday, I got off my feet as soon as, like, 2 o'clock hit. Yep. I had a beer. I only had one beer with dinner and that was it. And like, I did not, like I pulled back on a lot of things. Like I made sure that like get good sleep with TIZ4 and making sure that like I'm off my feet. And when it comes down to like that stuff, like, yeah, I'm going to have some fun. CIM's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to take it as like a little bit more like business where like the fun will happen afterward and traveling and going and doing that stuff. Um, but yeah, I've always felt like running should be a fun endeavor. And I don't like being in Boston until I need to, because like, the thing about Boston is it has so many type A personalities and so many people that are just like uber focused about like every little thing that it makes me really nervous. Um, I still have that tendency in the back of my head. Um, I, it came up during this block where the old self started coming back and I started getting really, really nervous about running. Um, so I can't be around people that are nervous about running. And that's kind of what I do. I, I, I go out away from things and I, I, I find a place where like I find myself happy. And then as soon as I need to get back into race mode, I'll get in race mode. So one of the things that I think is so cool about Boston for you, you know, we, we often will enter a race and we'll have, you know, we'll have the usual goals, A goal, B goal, C goal, whatever it is. Maybe you're trying to qualify for something, try to get a, a PR. You, so you you have those you have those goals, as you wrote about on, on Reddit last year. But you also have this this really fun goal to get to the, the Tracksmith track house. And, and for those who are listening who don't know, Tracksmith is a is a, a running uh, apparel company based up there in uh, in in Massachusetts. And like I love their stuff. I, I didn't. Uh, Chris, I didn't start getting their stuff until last year, and now my fiance would certainly like it if I stopped spending so much money there. I'm wearing a shirt, I'm wearing a hat. Yeah. Um, I yeah. love their half tights, all those things. So, like, t- talk me through the mindset of 
you have obviously your main goal, your running goal, but you also have this secondary goal that if if you are to get it, it's going to require you to run a little bit more than 26.2 miles. Yeah, so I tried it last year, um, and I've tried it for three years, basically. Uh, as soon as I ran my first Boston, I was like, I'm going to try to get to the tracks with track house first. Um, and so the whole challenge is you finish Boston, and you run about a three-quarters of a mile to the track house, and you're the first person, and you get a rope. Uh, missed it. In 2021, I ran. I blew up at the end, around 232, and I gave up on it. So that I if I'm not running on 230, there's no chance at it. Last year, I tried. I ran to get my bag, uh, and I got there. And I've known Lou for a couple of years at this point. And I was like, Lou, did I get there? He's like, no, you were like second or third. It's like, fine. <laughs> um, there's a video. I eventually like release it. It's like we had an interview. Like I, I was going to do a whole series of me, my, my attempt to get track first to track house. It's actually, we recorded this whole series, like the beginning of a series. For 2022? Like, for 2021. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was like a beginning of a series. Like I have a whole interview about it. Uh, we were going to do, we ended up not doing it. Um, so like, yeah, so I had gone there every couple of days before. Like I'm like Lou from Tracksmith was on our hood to ghost team that won hood to ghost. Um, and I got to see some people there. I saw so a couple of friends there and they kind of told me like some ins and outs of like where to make the jump. Cause I knew last year somebody jumped over the fence to get there. And uh, they're like, okay, this is what you need to look at Dartmouth. Um, I knew the guy, uh, Sam Fazioli, I believe is his name, was the guy who won last year. I had been told the weekend before by some friends that he had a hamstring issue. And so I was number one coming in. I get on the line and I see Fazioli on the line at the front. I'm like, okay. Fazioli takes off. I go to the first mile on 516. He's had a gap on me. I'm worried because like, I'm not trying to go out on 516 and I'm not trying to go on this pack. Um, I'm not feeling great. My watch is like messing up a little bit. It's telling me that I'm going certain pace and I end up going a little bit faster than I wanted to. And then somehow I found Bromka randomly. Uh, Bromka comes up on me and he's like, open. And I'm like, holy shit. So I run with him for five, six miles. Uh, then Fazio is gone. Um, I go off on my own about eight. Um, I found somebody else, a heartbreak running company guy. He helps me through the second half. I think about 20, I see Fazioli start coming back a little bit. Uh, I was supposed to, I wanted to go out in 71. That was what coach said. I want you to go out in 71 and I kind of try to ride the line and see what happens. Went in 7130. Just kind of worried about that. I wasn't feeling great. My shoes were too tight. I uh, wore Vaporfly 3s, which were, I did not like. I still don't like. And I'm going to return. I, I'm a Vaporfly 2 guy. It was just not feeling good. I felt like my foot was going to break about four miles in. <laughs> um, so second half, I started chasing. I just did not feel great second half. I kept on going, kept on going, just trying to fight as much as I could. And I finished up, and Fazioli is talking to somebody else at the finish line. And at that point, I started sprinting. <laughs> and I was like, please don't see me. Please, don't. You might know who I am. I hope you don't. I was don't. just going to ask so you if you knew who you were. I don't think he would. Uh, I started sprinting. Um, and I go grab, I just go to the first place to get a medal, grab my medal. I had two years in a row where there's photos of me just running by and grabbing a medal. 
and I go and find the first gate. They open the gate. Uh, some officer, kind officer, open the gate. Take a left, come down Newberry, start sprinting, and I see Dartmouth, and I'm like, I won't one street too long. Fazio has got me. Fuck. And I start just kicking. And I finally make it up. And there's the, and he's like, did I do it? And he's like, yes. Yes, you did. The picture of and you walking in is so cool because you just look like <laughs> so happy. I, I it's It's been a four-year kind of, exp- like four or five years at this point because like right after Boston 2019, that was what I, that was my goal. Yeah. And it was a really cool experience. And I don't know, it, it if that was the last Boston for a while, like, like Tracksmith's weird because like Tracksmith's been like a thing, like a, a clothing company that's kind of stuck around with me since I like, started running again. It's always kind of followed me, um, and a lot of people around it have kind of followed me as well. Like Tracksmith, I always have an affinity for Tracksmith because Tracksmith kind of has been like in line with like my return to running. And so for that to happen, like me, everybody in Columbus knows me as a Tracksmith guy. Like I'm always in Tracksmith, and so like it just was really cool. Like it, it, it meant a lot. Um, and yeah, it meant a lot to like have some of the guys that was like, yeah, this is meant for you. And I have my rope and it's, how often do you yeah. wear it? <laughs> a couple of times a month. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's comfy. Oh, it's it comfy looks style. like it. It looks <laughs> like it. Um, uh, you finished 57th overall. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. that earlier. Is that something that you look back on? I don't know. Like, what do you think when 57th at the Boston, at the 2023 Boston marathon? Like, what does that mean to you? I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. Um, the placing I wanted to be in like 40th, the uh, top 50, that was my goal. Um, but I think more importantly, I thought the conditions weren't as great as I wanted it to be. And considering that like my foot hurt from like, from overtime, my shoe, like pretty early on, like I was, I was super happy about it. It was, um, yeah, I when I think I was like my last thing on that was like I fought, I fought hard. Yeah, and that's really all that matters. <laughs> I love that you wrote um, it, the, it in your Boston recap. You wrote Boston continues to be a reminder of why I love this community and why there is still fun in competing, regardless if it goes to plan or not. And like I've told the story a million times on the podcast, I'm not going to belabor it, but I had, a, I had a real bad experience last bad basically last ten miles in my most recent marathon. And yet, like I leave it and the community and just having the support of people, um, whether a day goes your way, like it did for you, um, like, like it did for me in Chicago or whether it goes against us, like I know it will for me in the future, for you in the future. So I think that that was really cool. I think there is a kind of community that comes with suffering when it comes to the marathon distance. Yeah. When you're with people that are also in that kind of position, you're just kind of willing each other to try to get to the finish line. And there's a beauty in that. And, and it's unlike anything else. Uh, I've had some, some, some 230 groups. The lots run some 230 group is what kind of kept me back in this, group, this this whole thing. But like when you're suffering and your other people are suffering with you and you're just like, come on, let's pull each other to the line. That's like, that's, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful part of the sport. And uh, yeah, I just absolutely love it. Along those lines, what was, uh, what was Hood to Coast like last year? Man, I can go the whole thing. That was it was a bunch of boys from Milwaukee and some family in Columbus and Boston and and beating and and, and one of the 40, 40 winners of Hutico's the biggest relay in I think the world. Like 
that was surreal, absolutely surreal. Um, those boys like were forever tied together. Um, and it's, oh my God, um, I, I, I need, I, I think I need a full other podcast to talk about <laughs> some of these kind of things. Um, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, Hood to Coast was one of the most, I wish I would have wrote it about it because I was working on something on that. But man, it, it was, it was challenging. It was really challenging and, and it came down to about a couple of minutes over 200 miles. So yeah, I, yeah, having, having, having people that we all just bonded together right away and, it was just a guys that I will, if they're ever in my town or ever in town, like I'm going to make a, make a, make a, make a point to go see them. And funny enough, like halfway through Chicago, uh, John, John, uh, one of the, one of the Johns was actually running with me halfway through Chicago and got me through that sec- second half of Chicago. He just ran some 224 at, uh, at grandma. So shouts to him. Awesome. Uh, one of the best people that I've ever met. And, uh, yeah, they're just just John Liddell, like John DeWitt, uh, Ty Dinger, uh, Scotty Walter. Um, God, all those guys are like it's Chase Robles. You got uh, it's just like the the guys in our group. Like I I gotta I gotta give them a quick shout out because like uh, Will Musto. We have like Lou Serafini. We have like. Uh, Victor Pataki, like it's just uh, like, oh my God, the guys in this group were just like they were dogs, and our our common goal here was like, or our common theme here was like, we got that they got that dog with them. Chase Chadwick, we got uh, uh, Cody Chadwick, we have uh, Jack Hackett. Like the common theme was like they got that dog in them, and that was what we wanted. We like were a team that wasn't sponsored, which like. The Bowerman Elite team will say that it was a Tracksmith All-Star team. It wasn't. It was a bunch of friends decided to come in, and then Lou Serafini was nice enough to give us some jerseys. They were just a little bit bitter that a team of friends were able to be a team that was very kitted up. <laughs> and, and it was just, we're just good group of guys. Just like, yeah, the, the guest on the second episode of this podcast, Derek Lowski, he, he ran in that. He, he was out there for a wedding. He stumbled upon a team that needed somebody in a message board and he ended up running with them. And he was like, you have to ask, you have to ask Chris about it. And so uh, I I imagine he's (laughs) going to love that story. Quick pause from the podcast to once again, remind you that race day an IPA that I help brew is now available at monolithic brewing. If you know me, you know, I love IPAs and I had a blast helping their brewmaster Shane brew this beer. Stop by Monolithic, and if you do, order a race day IPA and let me know what you think about it. They're located just south of 120th and Fort in Omaha. Back to today's interview with Chris Gutierrez. All right, Chris, so uh, I wanted to ask you, you're going after an OTQ. You've written about it a little bit on Instagram. Uh, obviously, Peter Bromka went after it a few years ago. He's written about it quite a bit, and that was that was how I found out that you were doing the same thing in a comment on on his page. I, I, I mean, so many questions, but I guess, how do you prepare yourself mentally for what I imagine is going to be an incredible physical grind and mental grind over the next six months? Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing, I think, uh, it's kind of come to be like a, like I kind of had thoughts of it after I ran 230 
Um, cause I was like, okay, well I ran two thirty off not being, not having a full training block. I ran in August and I, I lost the entire month in August and let's see what happens. And then I got a coach, I had already had a coach for about a year at that point. And then I don't think I really started thinking about the, the, like that being an actual option or like even, I mean, cause anything like two thirty still miles away from like, at that point it was still two two nineteen. Um, so I was like, okay, well we'll see what happens. And then my coach ran the trials in 2020 and I ran a pretty good workout in, in Atlanta. I drove nine hours to go watch him and around knocked out a pretty good workout. And I just got a text from him and it was the morning of him running the trials and said, I'll see you here in four years. And it was like, I just knocked out my workout and he sent that. And he's like, I'm like, Zach, you're getting ready for like, what's up, what's sure to be like one of the highlights of your running career. Um, so it kind of just kind of went from there. Um, I had thoughts of it. It was like, okay, we'll see what we can do. And I think uh, realistically, 2020 is way, like, I'm nowhere near uh, the shift to be able to do that. Uh, I was like, 2024 might have a shot. And uh, the last couple of years, it's been the biggest jumps that I ever could have seen. And, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is Zach and I are very much candid with each other about what we can and can't like what's possible and what it's going to take to do that. Um, he's run two seventeen when he qualified for the trials. And now he's run two sixteen oh one. And as a father of now two kids um, and two toddler at this point, one toddler and one baby. And so he knows the no nonsense and not really taking any kind of like BS excuses, especially when I'm a single guy that doesn't really have that many responsibilities. Um, so <clears throat> the big thing for him has been like, you're going to have to commit a lot um, over the next six months. Uh, we basically have made the decision during the summer to kind of focus on speed a little bit and also just try to stay healthy. Um, I mean, that's the biggest, biggest, that's where we're really the biggest focus lies there um, because I know if I can stay healthy, I could have a shot at it. And it's just being honest with him and being honest with myself about like not muscling things and not trying to go um, be over my skis. Um, and I think more, more so than anything, it's not so much the training that's going to be like, I know the training's going to be tough, but I've already run like last block. I got up to 94 on six days. Um, so like I've run pretty high mileage and I've done double thresholds before. Uh, we're going to add a lot more during this, this next section. But like, I think the biggest thing is mentally just trying to be in it. Um, and also be responsible enough to not let the, not let me having fun, uh, have an effect on me actually running well. Cause I think in, in this case, like, yeah, Boston's fun, but I've already beat Boston for myself this time. It's like, I'm this summer's gonna be fun and I'm going to be working really hard, of course. But as soon as like August and September hit, I will be <clears throat> fully committing myself to just, I'm going to go all in there and just see what happens. And, uh, and just making sure that I'm not over my skis mentally and, um, also just being responsible, which is tough when, uh, you live in Columbus and you have the Ohio state and, and it's football uh, it's, season and it's football season. And, uh, I've had, I mean, I've, I've had a couple blocks already during, during that. And it's like knock out a 20 miler before we go tailgate, but just also making sure that I hydrate and not be an idiot. So <laughs> I, I imagine a lot of people have asked you like, why, why do you keep pushing yourself like this? Like you, you've, you've, you know, PR, you've done all these things. You just said it, you, you beat Boston for what you wanted to do. Like th there can become a point for so many of us where we're like, you know, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm pretty good with what I've done. 
I don't really need to to do much more. I'm just going to do this maybe more for fun now. What what what's your answer when someone asks you that? Why do you keep pushing yourself like this? It's it has to be the massive jumps. Like just recently, um, that'd be probably the easiest one answer here. Because um, I, I mean, I went from 25. I mean, I went from 25 40 out of college. And I ran 24, 28 off a negative split. I think I closed in like 440 something when I ran that five miler. And I was like, and then I ran 1437. I dropped like 40 seconds off my PR in there, like in the 5K. And I was like, I've just been dropping so much time. <clears throat> and I've realistically I've stayed healthy for since like late 2020. So like it's been about <clears throat> two and a half years that I've stayed healthy um consistently without any too much of a major setback so i think that's one of the most exciting thing for me is like hey this is what happens when i stay healthy what happens if i get another year out of it um but then ultimately like the what keeps me in it is i like competing um i find it fun um it's kind of just like how some people do pick up basketball that's how i find racing and so we have a, a really cool racing series in ohio that pits us a running company, um, Dayton Track Club, uh, and Cincinnati's Elite. Uh, so three main bigger, like, and then who um, are Dave's out of Toledo. So like three, like four of the biggest, like big cities in in, uh, in Ohio. And we've raced each other at four different races, uh, three different races already. Um, and so like I go out there, I know those guys, and we race and see what the chips lie. And then like when we finish up, we're like, hey, that was a great race. You made a move there. You beat me. And it's just like. That's like playing pickup basketball to me, and it's a lot of fun. I was just, it's funny. I was going to ask you at the end of that answer, and then halfway through it, you said, I'm still having fun. Because I, I was just wondering, like, is this still fun, or has it crossed over into... I don't something else, but it's for now at least, you know, early early July, mid-July, you're still having fun with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's hard to say that, that I'm having compl- a ton of fun, because, I mean, it was... I ran a race this past weekend and uh, like 4th of July race. And I, it was like 75 degrees and like, <laughs> I think 86% humidity. Gross. So running like, and then having a workout afterward, I'm like, it was, I knew for two miles is going to suffer. And it's like, it's just, no, it's not fun. Like running near summer is not fun. And anyone that says it is, is, is just completely just talking out of their ass. So, but I, I just know that like, Hey, you don't have fun by just not doing anything like the things that you really want to do well in. it does take some work and it's all about just make it for me, just keeping that. I say the same thing to the athletes is like trying to like take the, the peaks off of your training, like as far as like emotional peaks uh, and trying to just make it more of a level set, like not getting too excited about something and not getting too down on something, just kind of just getting through it. And the summer is really what it is, is just getting to put and knowing that as soon within two months, we're going to have nicer weather and then we're going to have fun. Uh, what's your favorite kind of beer? Oh, sours. Sours? Love sours. Sour. Yeah, sours are my, my first love. Uh, and then steroids, basically, I love all beer except for smoked beers. Uh, and I think even sours have been changed a little bit for me. I like more like less acidity. I used to love sour bombs not so much anymore uh, we, we talked so much about your just your running journey what what was the beer journey like because i mean I, it's funny I, I still feel like i am in the early stages of mine like i got I, I really got into the craft beer scene probably within the last half decade where for before that it was like you know just getting 
really drunk some nights and having a lot of rum or bush lights or whatever. Uh, and now it's much more of an appreciation for the craft that is involved in it. This this podcast is coming out the week that I was able to help uh, debut a beer at Monolithic Brewing here in Omaha called Race Day. It's an IPA. Um, what 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 was that journey like for you over the years? I think I was always kind of interested in something different. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get the crafty beer. And I kind of was like, I, uh, before, I guess, when like early college. So I would get like <laughs> Blue Moon and like uh, Stella. And then from there, like when I turned, I'd, when I turned 21. <laughs> uh, We're all adults actually, here. We know what's going yeah, on. <laughs> when I turned 21, it was a... Uh, um, well, funny enough, I had a, like a soft spot for 40s, and I still do. <laughs> I have a soft spot for 40s, and I have a soft spot for Modelo. I love Modelo. Um, but it went, I, I had a, a fraternity brother. So, like, the, the, the season that I fractured my foot and didn't make the net, it wasn't on a national squad, I joined a fraternity. And one or two of the guys were really into crap beer. And so they started showing me around. They connected with me. They connected me with one of the best uh, craft beer bars or craft beer um, shops in like LA. Uh, some guy that was already pretty in early. So Mo from the craft beer teams kind of introduced me to things to start off with. Start off with sours. Um, I tried a barrel style for the first time, hated it. Um, Cause I didn't like liquor. I ruined it for myself for a long time. And then I tried Cascade Creek, 2012 and it blew my mind this is 2013 had that uh was introduced pretty quickly onto the brewery uh out of, out of california placentia california there and i fell in love with that uh then i started quickly after that i moved to ohio so i remember driving across the country i stacked up my car with a bunch of beers to trade and i did my first trade in the middle of st louis uh, for a beer called Fuzzy uh, from a side project. Uh, so I traded a bunch of beer, a bunch of, sa- uh, bunch of Russian River stuff. And I was like awesome. just going through a bunch of like just sour stuff. And then I've been a message board kid since like high school. So I joined joined all the uh, craft beer message boards. Um, and yeah, and just kind of went from there. Um, and I, I got really deep in the scene. So from like 2013, probably up until... 2020 2021 like i i still have my connections within the scene a lot like if i go to like dark lord day out in out in munster and for three floyds like i probably know a ton of people through either like different beer groups that i've met different trading groups that i've met uh the craft beer chugs community because i had a big chugging like scene for a little bit the barley one is live community like all of them um i stacked up way too much better than I should have. Um, but there was, it also led to a lot of cool things. I have some of my, some of my favorite people that I've ever met, some of the best relationships that I've met. Um, I could probably have a place to visit or people to see in most cities now because of it. Um, and I don't really have to work for beer anymore, which is really nice because I've made, I was, I've been really, um, I really focused on the relationship aspect of it. I got taught really early on um, from a, from a couple that I call my second parents about a thing called beer love Basically, like you, you give without the expectation of receiving anything back. Um, and they've traveled the country, they've gone everywhere, and they've just introduced me to it, like a lot of just the good people in beer, yeah. and that really helped out a lot. Um, but it's it's been it's been fantastic to be able to go through that. And uh, yeah, it's I got my jaded points, but then there is a lot of things that like a lot of cool things that happen through beer. I've had a whole thing. I think it was a 
in grad school, I had a moment where I just kind of freaked out and I was like, maybe I'm not smart enough to get straight A's. And so I made a whole thing about beer where it's like, if I got straight A's uh, every term or straight A's a term, I'd open up a nice beer out of my fridge. And I did that for basically the entirety. I graduated with the top of my class and got straight A's and we popped a, a beer that was, I traded way too much beer for, uh, it ended up, it was like on a secondary market, it was probably a thousand dollar beer and we popped it for, for, uh, for my graduation. And that was, it was a really, and I popped it with some friends back home and my parents. And it was like people that, some people that were really excited about it, but also some people that like, they didn't know shit about it. So it was going really cool. That's a five out of five on untapped. I'm sure. <laughs> five out of five <laughs> on untapped. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've, I've gotten lucky enough to like stumble into some like random cool things. Like I, we drove across the country in 2015 and I ended up at Top and Goliath um, when they did. Uh, and, and Mike Sabo, I think, had just come back. Um, so one of the brewers had left. He had come back and they're like, hey, we're celebrating. And um, Mickle from McKellar's here as well, visiting for a collab. We're doing a bottle share. And I just happened to be driving through, like driving through Wisconsin, stop, stop in New Glarus, stop there. And I just met so many cool, it, it was one of the article ones about the craft people and craft beer, but like I ended up having some of the rarest beer in the entire world. Uh, like KBBS batch one, I think when the secondary market got crazy, I think it was up to like $4,200 for that 12 ounce bottle. And like, they were just popping bottles and like popping some of the coolest beer I've ever had. Um, and it was got an experience with my little brother and that was pretty cool. Um, I got a, try some uh, stuff out in Prescott, Arizona at Superstition uh, at a majority there. And they went in the back. I was like, I brought some beer for them. It was like, hey, you guys have been awesome. You guys, this is my dad's, one of my dad's favorite stops, even though he didn't want to make a stop. So thank you. Here's some beer from us from Ohio. Here's another cool beer that I have from California. And they're like, hey, uh, how about you drop off that beer in the barrel room? And I go to the barrel room and it's like, yeah, this is for you guys. And he's like, guy comes in with a ladle and he's like, Hey, you want to try this? And I'm like, what is it? So he's like, we have a, so just this beer had been released called fundamental observation. It was a quadruple barrel aid stout with vanilla beans. And they gave them a barrel to be able to put their meat in. And it's like, they give us this barrel of fundamental observation and it's still wet, meaning that there's still beer in it. <laughs> so they poured me some of the beer out of that barrel. And it was like one of the coolest things before the, the new batch of fundamental had been released. And I was like, this is the coolest thing. <laughs> what an experience. Yeah. God. I'm stumbling in just right place, right time. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite part about running? Uh, community has to be community. Um, it's what makes it fun. Like even like racing aside and how much fun that is like communities, that the reason for it like right now um i have let's see how many people are on stream right now i have five people right now behind me on stream watching the usatf championships because nobody wants to pay for usatf so i have a live stream for them to watch and we're all chatting about it and it's people that i've known for like over 10 years and some people that i've met just recently so <laughs> That's so cool. You wrote uh, after Boston last year, you wrote the kindness of strangers during Boston Marathon weekend is truly understated. It's a weekend where friends are made through the common journey that is the event or is this event. It's a community that crosses all borders, all walks of life and brings people together. And I, I read that and I was thinking about the conversation we had at the beginning of this podcast about the beer community and just the, all, all of that stuff. The community of running is it's absolutely awesome. It really is. It, it, and then thankfully, I think for the most part, a lot of our, our 
the longer you stay in it, the more you realize that the good people kind of just stick around. For sure. Um, and it is like, there is no, there's no status. There's no, there's no status. There's no label. There's nothing like that. When you're so, when you're all in the middle of a race, uh, there's a cool, like, um, there's a, there's a cool quote from an F1, uh, from F1 that says, uh, when, when the flag drops, the bullshit stops. And that really is like, when you're in it, it doesn't matter who you are, like we're all out there. Um, and that's something I've just continued to try to have that kind of, uh, that kind of attitude. Uh, no matter if it's somebody that I see on the racing line or somebody that I see, um, out there running as I'm driving by, it's like, we're all, they're out there. I respect that. You have to respect it. And like, I, it's one thing that I will say that I got a really nice compliment from, um, one of the guys in the area, Dave, one of the nicest people. Um, he's like, I see you around and like, you're relatable, but also like you're happier for other people. Like you're just as happy for somebody that says that they broke four hours in a marathon as you are at somebody that ran an OTQ. And I'm like, yeah, because they're on their own journey. <laughs> and it's really cool to see somebody fall in love with this because I know what it gave to me. That's so cool. Uh, I finish every podcast by asking the guest about what they are chasing. It could be a literal time goal. Uh, it could be qualifying for something or just a feeling. Chris Gutierrez, what are you chasing? Chasing some dreams in Sacramento. <laughs> and let's hope it goes well. <laughs> Chris Gutierrez, thanks for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. Thanks again to Chris Gutierrez for joining me on today's episode. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me, including my weekly newsletter, as I write about my experience training for the 2024 Boston Marathon. You can also email me at Chasing3Hours at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend. Chasing3Hours.